Hello and welcome to the Cinematic Comic Verse podcast. Um, this is episode one, obviously, of what we hope to be a, uh, a, a long-running, if infrequent, attempt at analyzing how comic books come to life on, on the screen and uh, how, how various studios, makers, and, and, and comic book companies are doing uh, at that. I am Davis. I'll be one of the one of the uh, stand-in co-hosts for this podcast. I'm joined by Corey and Ryan. Uh, Corey, tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of, you know, please. Wow, I, I'm fully unprepared for this, but hello, this is my voice. I'm Corey. Uh, I have a giant dog, which is a large part of my personality, as is my large hydro flask and the amount of TV that I consume. Yeah, and it, it it may be best to uh, to hand it over to Ryan and just let him explain a little bit about how how this podcast kind of came to be, and and again a little bit about himself. So Ryan, please. Before I say anything, I was unaware that this was just an attempt, and I already put in an order for one billion T-shirts. <laughs> so I'm a little worried about that now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that at that quantity, you got a pretty good deal. Um, so I, 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 I don't want to scare you off as sounding as though that this, I, we're, we're all in. I, you assumed incorrectly. I got about 50 t-shirts for $1 billion. Oh, okay. Oh, I, wow. I, 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 no, I'm really not sure which one of you to fire, but I think we should have a <laughs> sidebar and figure that out. You are our boss, so you can choose whoever you want. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I thought the order was for a billion shirts. Uh, the, the, the fact that you're burning through our capital that quickly <laughs> is a little concerning. Yes, I don't look into the practices I use to buy those. All right, will do. Um, I am Ryan Speakman. This is into, no, we decided on the cinematic comic verse as the official title. And to put it simply, we're just watching superhero movies, comic book movies, and then reading the comics they were based on and kind of comparing, contrasting, seeing what's uh, what they were inspired by, what they kind of left out, what they needed to change for the modern times, and just kind of looking, looking at that a little more in depth. Jumping yeah. on the bandwagon of uh, superheroes and comics. <laughs> yeah. So if, if you're listening to this, you might have heard uh, there, there have been a few smaller scale movies that, that have been released in the past few years uh, that are taking on this world of, of so-called comic books. Um, if, if you are unfamiliar, that's you know, n- nothing to be ashamed of. We're, we're not all cinephiles. Um, but studios like Marvel, DC, and, and independent studios are, are teaming up to, uh, to create these, these comic book movies. Uh, it, it probably started it, its popular journey in 2008 with, uh, with Iron Man, which is where we will start. I, I feel, you know, we're, th- this is a podcast medium, so I hope that our listeners understand that 
that that was a bit that I was doing, but just in case there's any, uh, uh, you know, uncertainty, no, comic book movies are a huge thing. And, and, and we do hope to, to tackle all of them. Uh, perhaps not all of them, but <laughs> maybe just you, all of them. We're going to yeah. have hundreds of episodes. We're, 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 we're just going to knock out a few dozen each episode. Um, <laughs> just take, yeah, take, take them as they come. But we, I we, thought we were only doing a focus on Tobey Maguire movies. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next week for Seabiscuit, the adaptation <laughs> of the not-so-graphic novel Seabiscuit. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? We, this, th- this podcast, if it has legs, it, it may spawn a, a few spinoff podcasts. But for, for right now, we're, we're going to keep it uh, comic books to, to the silver screen. And... And as I mentioned, uh, we we are going to start this week with a discussion on Iron Man, which is what what many people point to as kind of the the, the official start of of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There there were uh, there, there 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 were attempts before that, but you know they they kind of got grandfathered into this uh, this initiative, spearheaded by Kevin Feige, uh, that has been really just on a on a very high high trajectory but we we would be remiss if we didn't mention some of the comics that that led to the story that was told on screen so for that this week we're we're gonna kick it off to Corey, who will uh who will fill in some of our listeners who might not be familiar with just exactly how this story came to be uh and, and its roots in the comic books really quick before we get into that I know that I'm segueing back into Tobey Maguire type <laughs> territory, but did you guys see the article that was been yes. floating around? <laughs> yes, and about... I'm so excited. <laughs> well, specifically the article of people on the new Spider-Man movie being mad at Tobey Maguire for acting like a diva. Okay, uh, we read a different article. <laughs> on on the new one? Yeah, so he's going to be in the new one. Yeah. And apparently people are getting mad at him. I only read the t- the title of the article, but that was enough for me to be intrigued. Uh, <laughs> Ryan is now an expert based on the title alone. <laughs> Just full disclosure, I don't know anything about this except for the title being people on the movie are mad at him for acting like a diva and i your, think that's great your 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 google search alert starts pinging all of a sudden your your, your toby <laughs> mcguire search alert is is firing off after uh, be, being dormant for a while I, so i that that would be a return to form uh for toby mcguire from what i understand to, okay. toby toby mcguire did not have many fans in the um Kind of in his camp for the filming of the first few Spider-Man movies, and there was actually a scene where Joe Manganiello, um, you, he's uh, Sofia Vergara's wife. He's like a big, muscular guy. Anyway, um, yeah. he he was in the movie, and he was being interviewed and said that there was actually a a pot that was going around of. Uh, with, with, with like all the all the people on set and basically whoever could punch uh could punch toby Maguire in the face during one of the simulated fight scenes would get this pot of money 
And apparently <laughs> Joe Manganiello, he, he cleaned up. He, he actually <laughs> punched Toby Maguire in the face. <laughs> so yeah, just uh, keep, keep an eye out for when Toby Maguire gets punched in the face again uh, in the final cut of the new Spider-Man three, I suppose. <laughs> All right, I didn't mean to uh, to pull us too off topic. Uh, no, no, I mean I I think that was a perfectly natural segue back into <laughs> the uh, <laughs> back back into the comic book origins of of our friend Iron Man, Mister Tony Stark. So Corey, I mean, it, you know, get, get get the ball rolling. We we may have our own thoughts, but please. Yes, yes. Okay, so for this for this first movie of of Iron Man. At least I read, I don't know if you guys did your homework, but I read <laughs> Tales of Suspense 39, uh, which was published in 1959. And in this, we see the very first origin of Iron Man and some of the, the some of the same themes that we're going to see in the movie and in later um, storylines and versions of this. But it was really interesting to me to see where it came from. So Iron Man sure. gets wounded, but mm-hmm. this time in the Vietnam War, and I don't know about you guys, but this one felt so much more propaganda and <laughs> some of the coloring of some of the characters felt really, really intense. Um, and it uh, mm-hmm. reminds me of some old Spider-Man comics I've read where there's always in the height of the Vietnam War in Spider-Man comics, there's uh, at the college campuses, a lot of protesters and there's very uh, conflicting ideas about the reasons behind their protesting. For instance, to meet women or to seem cool. It's always uh, interesting to see the views of the creators on the Vietnam War in these comics. Uh, go, going a little bit further back, there, there's a pretty famous, um, <clears throat> fa- famous comic book cover where Captain America is literally uh, landing a haymaker on Adolf Hitler. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, they, 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 they've, Marvel appears to have a long, uh, proud history of, of supporting Uncle Sam in, in many ways, but, but it was interesting to kind of get a little more of the politics of the day uh, mixed in with, 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 with our beloved pal, Tony. Yes, yes. And I... I love in this. So in, in several of the comics that I read, Tony Stark is described very interestingly. So in this one, he is both a sophisticate and a scientist. I don't know if you knew that you could do both, but. Ladies, get you a man who can do both. <laughs> oh, and then he finds himself injured um, on the front lines. So pretty similar to, to other, to, you know, the movie that we watched and He's captured by Viet- the Vietnam leader Wang Chu and held captive alongside Professor Yin Sen, who in this version is Chinese. And then together they build the Iron Man suit. Um, and it's really interesting. So similarly, there, there's shrapnel that is hurtling towards Tony's heart. And in this version, the, the life-saving portion, there's no surgery really, it's just like, you're gonna die. There's nothing stopping it. And so he creates a chest plate, 
which he then has this whole existential crisis of I'm going to have to be in this suit forever because I have to have this iron chest plate that is preventing the shrapnel from from getting in my heart. Um, And then in between this uh, existential crisis, he saves the day kills the bad guy um and his his good friend (laughs) classic his good friend uh dies dies as well unfortunate collateral damage um and also his batteries almost die he has to have batteries this needs to be plugged in well hey i mean we we saw some of that in the movie too uh in in the fight with iron monger I'm, i'm sure we'll get into that but like you know, Tony's ability to recharge is, is, is one of his Achilles heels, at least at some points. Yes, yes. And it's really interesting to see the technology shift of this is what, you know, it was <laughs> beforehand. We got to plug in my chest plate versus, <laughs> oh. Do, and- do, do you have any D batteries, please? <laughs> <laughs> I have a note later from when we maybe talk about the movie about the amount of energy that is in the arc reactor on his heart. It's a surprising reality. <laughs> All right. I, I, I had a nuclear engineer sitting next to me while we watched the movie. So I got some low down on, on that for the Impressive. future. Yeah, li- little bit of a brag, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll let it slide. <laughs> Sorry guys, I can't help it. I'm not smart, but I know someone who is. I just had a mechanical engineer next to me while watching the movie. Ugh, I had a civil engineer. Oh, those are the worst. Okay, they're no just kidding electrical. To our civic, civic engineer <laughs> friends. Okay, so that's that's Iron Man one, and that is the first instance that he is in the MC, or any Marvel comic. Um, and then can I uh, interject yeah. real quick? Yeah, yeah, Ryan, what's up? So. While the character was invented by Stan Lee, he didn't actually write the str- the script for the first story. That was uh, Larry Lieber. And similar, uh, similarly, I can't say that word, uh, Jack Kirby, a famous comic book artist, he designed the character, but he didn't actually do the art for the, uh, the original script. Um, but when kind of looking at this, this is the most, it's like the easiest quote to pull from Wikipedia, another brag on my extensive research that I've been been doing in my life. Uh, I There's an interesting one by Stan Lee that I really liked. And he said, uh, I think I gave myself a dare. It was the height of the Cold War. The readers, the young readers, if there was one thing they hated, it was war. It was the military. So I got a, a hero who represented that to the hundredth degree. He was a weapons manufacturer. He was providing weapons for the army. He was rich. He was an industrialist. I thought it would be fun to take, that, take the kind of character that nobody would like, none of our readers would like, and shove him down their throats and make them like him. And he became very popular. That, that is really interesting, <laughs> especially because like in, in the what we read, he kind of stays that character. He is this warmongering kind of guy who is profiting off war. And then in the movie, is it feels like the first time that he shifts quickly after where he has less of a blame. It's like our current audience can't quite, that's not what we want. And like the, the yeah. character was shifted for that. I, I find it interesting just like in the in the adaptation to the movie 
I, I don't know if there are many times in in our history where there's like a huge appetite for war, but but certainly 2008, uh, there, there's a lot of fatigue of some of the war that's going on in the Middle East. There, there, there's a lot of like criticism and uh, like, I, I guess skepticism perhaps uh, about the the utility of of the war that's going on. Just the, the idea that a, a, a war that never really started and, and that doesn't appear to be any end in sight. Um, I, I, I think that viewers of the movie were faced with a lot of the same issues that, uh, that, that readers of the comic books were like in, in the time itself. Uh, and, and I thought that John Favreau and, and company did, did a really good job of tying, um, tying this weapons manufacturer into a somewhat timely, uh, timely issue. I, I, I do kind of resent the fact that, um, I don't know, it, 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 it began to reinforce this, this narrative, like America good, Middle East bad, but, 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 but certainly Tony Stark, uh, for better or for worse, is thrust into the middle of what was and continues to be a very timely, uh, t timely drama, I guess. Yeah. Are you yeah. guys aware of Marvel's sliding time scale? Uh, yes, of course. <laughs> to me, it, I, like, I totally know, but just like explain it to me. Yeah, like I'm five. <laughs> Uh, in the in the comics, um, they sort of took the focus off of what year it is at some point, mm. and still kind of some some of them don't. But like in a lot of the comics, they kind of like without really explicitly saying things, update all the stories to have current technology and current events and things like that. Um, but they, I think there's an, an exact number of how one Marvel year translates into like a specific, I can't remember what the exact number is, but like they can say something was like a year ago and like a decade worth of technology has, has passed because they want to keep like the original continuity in there, but that's obviously like 60 to 80 years ago. And so... <laughs> but they want like everything to be more timely. So they kind of have this sliding time scale. And that's why in the other one we read the uh, extremist number five, they flash back to his, uh, his origin. And now it's in the Afghanistan. Was mm -hmm. that one in the Afghanistan war? I forget. It, it was, but it, I'm, I don't I'm think it was Vietnam. So. Well, so I, I, I know that they've, they've done it a couple different times with, with Iron Man. It started with Vietnam uh, and, and then it got pushed to the Gulf, like the Persian Gulf War mm, in 91. Yeah. Um, I, I can't remember if, if it ever jumped to Afghanistan in, in the comic books or if that was just kind of shown in, in the movie. But I, I believe it did at some point. I can't yeah. remember if it was the one we read or not, though. So. But, but, but like you mentioned, um, it's, it's kind of like dog years, but we're the dog and, and the, these Marvel <laughs> characters are, are the people in, in that sense. Like time, time for them just crawls a little more slowly. Yes. All right, guys, back to this freaking summary. 
<laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, we got we got some more comments. I'm sorry, I'll sit quietly. Oh, guys. Okay. <laughs> so that was comic one. Um, there are three others that I want to mention, but these I'm just going to talk about like quick themes because that one really gives us the backbone of this is the storyline that's throughout the comics, even as it changes. And then these other ones, I think, give a really good concept of who Tony Stark is a person, how he shifts through the comic books, but things that stay the same and are really evident in um, the movie as well. So um, now, uh, so we were in Tales of Suspense. Now we're in Iron Man. Um, and this is 163. And I, I, again, I love the description of him. In this one, he is an industrialist, an inventor, a playboy, and occasionally an investigator. <laughs> what is he investigating? I, I know I'm jumping ahead, but just hearing this description... Mm -hmm. and uh watching him with his shirt off in the movie iron or hammering at his uh a helmet as i was sitting there eating a burrito from taco bell was really emasculating <laughs> you're, you're you're watching it like i'm the protagonist like that that's me that that's the audience insertion character <laughs> I, okay just 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 jump on his body uh <laughs> which i just now realized how please, i said yeah no please um, <laughs> um, i found it really interesting i feel like he is part of the bridge between when like male superheroes or male actors in these types of films are thinner you know they're like they're like muscular but thin and then mm. we get to the current mcu where most of them tony stark kind of excluded and spider-man but he i don't think could gain 20 pounds i'd put um, ant-man in that as well yeah, oh my god okay you know what maybe, maybe there's just always a divide between smart dudes and the ones that are just insanely jacked but it's just interesting because i feel like that wasn't as much of a thing and now in our current like the body types are even more insane so he, uh, sorry please please i was gonna say he almost felt thinner to me as i was re-watching this i was like oh this isn't like captain america who we're gonna see soon who yeah. is just an outrageous body type well oh, okay two things off of that first off i will always remember uh where i was and how i felt when i was watching captain america civil war and and, and we see chris evans holding the helicopter and <laughs> i mean he he had like a beach ball for a bicep it was an incredible uh robert downey jr did however undergo pretty rigorous uh pretty rigorous like physical routines and i mean you know, actors and actresses do that all the time to to prepare for roles i believe what i read was that he he wanted to get a lot more combat ready uh and and wasn't as like like as ready for you know just the giant swollen shoulders and everything and i frankly my my recollection on like comic book movies before this one is a little bit fuzzy i i, I think that we saw a bit of a jump with christian bale uh from like mm -hmm. batman begins to dark knight uh and, and even to dark knight rises yeah yes. yeah they, they they start out as like muscular but pretty svelte and then each movie they they kind of pack on a little more weight and muscle um but it, it's it's a point well taken i i mean i would love to look like robert downey jr in that movie but 
certainly like the, the arrival of, of uh, Chris Evans and, and uh, Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth, how the easy. Chris's. Yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> like, oh, what's that other one's name? Uh, Chris Hemsworth, they, they send things a little bit right of center. I will say Iron Man was able to down three cheeseburgers from Burger King, so. Okay, this was a big question for me. <laughs> I would not have gone to Burger King. I was like, if you could get any burger, that is not where I'm stopping. Burger King, I'm, I'm going to say it. If, right. if, if, we're, if we're judging, like, McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King is the big three, uh, Burger King has, like, the most satisfying burger i would say uh yeah it 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 does frankly it does feel most like the one that you could make yourself at home but it's like very hearty the only knock against it is it gives it 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 has a tendency to to produce beef burps which are not fun (laughs) uh but every time i watch this movie right after the escape scene i'm like oh i want a double whopper like right now (laughs) I I will say I agree with both of you in a way where I am a Burger King defender. I know that it's uh, people have put it under fire, um, much like Iron Man did to the bad guys in this movie. Way to bring it back. (laughs) But I, I do think that, yes, most people would not choose Burger King. Well, I guess my thought is why are you starting with that tier of burger? You know, so th- those are our fast food burgers. And then we have like our fast casual burgers. I would pick something probably in that tier. Yeah. You know, I'd go to a Five Guys. I'd go yeah. to a Shake Shack. I'd get like just a little bit better of a burger, you know? Well, know. yeah, I mean, you, you may forget, Corey, Iron Man is like a billionaire entrepreneur, but he's also a guy like the rest of us, <laughs> you know? He just wants to sit back and, and have a whopper. Oh, okay, okay. So that's that's the that's the disconnect there is I just don't happen to be mass a male, so I'm just like I don't get it. I, I he I I think the Burger King pick appealed to the everyman. Uh, if, if 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 they had gone with like a a Shake Shack or something, uh, oh, it, so it, good. it it would have alienated some some people. Like oh, you know, Tony Stark is is very frou frou. Speaking of like ads or brand brand integration into the movie, so much. Audi got their money's worth. Uh, so, yes. Every car was an Audi, except for obviously like the some of the ones in uh, yeah, in Iron Man's vintage. garage. Yeah, but it, every car, and and I think that that's something that may have continued, if not through the MCU, definitely through the Iron Man movies. Hmm. That's interesting. The more you know. <laughs> I, as a uh, a non car guy, I would have never even noticed what cars were being shown. Yeah, I'm 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 a real gearhead, so uh, <laughs> stuff like that jumps out on the screen to me. <laughs> well, you can uh, continue with your su- summary if you All want, right. Corey. That's the thing that I'm doing. <laughs> So close. We're so close, guys. Okay, so that's Iron Man 163. That's really all I cared about. I was just like, guys, this... Oh, also, I feel like this is a really good encapsulation of 
his bravado mixed with his humor. And in my opinion, Iron Man always walks this line of almost too cheesy or too obvious jokes that are just like pedestrian uh, versus things that I'm like, I, I got to give it up to you. That was hilarious. And I can't stop laughing. Um, so that was very evident in this comic. And this is also where the a place where the Obadiah stain. Um, this was his first appearance, right? Yes, yes. As, okay. But like, he's not shown directly. He is behind the scenes oh, okay. pulling the strings. And then in 200 of this same um, series, Iron Man, Obadiah Stane comes out, is Ironmonger. He battles Tony Stark. Um, okay, I, so, I have a lot of yeah, thoughts on this episode. So much thoughts. Uh, it, just very quickly, like it... it this one, for some reason, felt the most unlike modern day comics, uh, which, which frankly is like one of my only points of reference. And, and to, to say that, I think I have to admit, like, it's very easy for me to read very old comics and be like, oh, that, that was a comic of yesteryear. This one felt somewhat modern, but was also like really exposition heavy. Um, there, there, there was basically a narrator, like, which, which is helpful because we didn't have to read all these other things. But you know, it's like, uh, it, it was, it was dark, stormy, and raining, which matched Tony's mood. He was sad, <laughs> and it, 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 it most of my comic book reading has taken place in the past like five years. So, so my my integration into comic books is is on the more modern side. Um, I do want to note though, I absolutely love that the Los Angeles headquarters for the Avengers is like a suburban ranch style home with a giant pool. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and then the, there, there, there were a few adversaries, particularly the chess men uh, who were just amazing. It, uh, Obadiah Stane is like, um, he's like, oh, fire fire the missiles or whatever and, and iron man escapes those and he's like he got past my missiles send in the chess men and it's just <laughs> these like very muscular men who what one is playing as a bishop and two are playing as knights um excellent excellent and then the final thing i want to say is when, when all else fails obadiah stain he's like there's always a contingency plan and he just pulls a baby out and he says, I will crush the frail flesh to pulp between my palms. And <laughs> just amazing. 10 out of 10, loved this comic. Oh my gosh. I feel like 80s and 90s comics hit that sweet spot of being very comic booky, mm -hmm. but also... I don't know how to even say. They just are very. We, we, we also don't have to be quite as heavy on the content warnings about how we don't, uh, we, we don't endorse all of the racial depictions that, that we might have seen in Tales of Adventure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. um, although as a fact check, this is actually from 1968. So. Oh, this one is? Yeah. I thought that both... was the 80s one. Nope, these are both 68. So it, it, they feel very 70s to me actually like the cost like the, okay. the outfits and everything feel very 70s but it's 68 uh, uh, so 
I, so I, I thought it was 86 and reading this, uh, my, my first note on, on this comic is if you had told me to guess when this came out, I would have said at least 10 years before its actual release date. So <laughs> very good, very good. Um, interesting. I, I'm looking it up right now. It says it's the 80s, I think. What? No, this is Iron Man 200, right? Yeah, that was in November 1985. Oh, Marvel uh, Unlimited is saying 1968. Um, now, Marvel Unlimited is better than could, Marvel Database. The could, wiki could, for could, Marvel. Could, could this have been the sliding scale? Per, perhaps one of you got blipped uh, <laughs> and, 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 and we're having, you know, I, I don't I, know. Yeah, I would not be surprised if I got it's blipped. It's a crossover so. universe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's reminding me uh no this is for another time we can't talk about wandavision right now we need to stay with the summary um uh so other points of note in this one that i just wanted to call out is we're seeing stain's takeover or the end part of his takeover of stark industries and in this version he is not like a friend or anything to tony but he just takes over stark industries as tony basically leaves he's he's over it he he got super depressed and drunk and he stops being iron man and he stops running stark industries um and this is the episode this is this is the comic where he comes back and says um he kind of like gets out of this stupor and i think this really shows some things that we'll see throughout the iron man series of tony getting pretty easily depressed he sinks into his tragedy and then is called out to like get out of his self-hatred, turn that into action and save the day. So this is, yeah, pretty, pretty good picture of Tony Stark and who he is throughout. Um, okay. And I, then, I, yeah, no, just, go ahead. I, I like, I feel at times like re reading that comic specifically, um, alcoholism is never a joke. It did, however, feel a little bit indirect for Obadiah Stone to try, or Stain to try and uh, ruin Tony's life. Not, not so that that would deter him from being Iron Man, but so that he would turn to the drink and that would, you know, like stop him yes. from being Iron Man. Uh, and even though it did feel a little cheesy at times, just like, again, how exposition heavy it was, like, <laughs> now he'll drink. Um, I... <laughs> I do appreciate the very human flaws that that, that can be found within all the uh, all, all of these superheroes. Like, you know, it, I, Iron Man can defeat Iron Monger or, or or whatever, but sometimes like the biggest foe standing in his way is his own vices or or, or his own insecurities. So, I, I'd appreciate our our heroes being being tethered uh, to. Uh, a little more grounded, I suppose. Definitely. I believe when we get to Iron Man 2, we'll be reading some stuff based on uh, his his drunk history, if you will. Ooh, get right into that. Uh, um, I also found the answer to our Iron Man year issue, ooh, if you're interested. Yes. So on Marvel Unlimited, it says it's Iron Man 1968 because once they left tales of suspense they start iron man one in 1968 and so 
if you look at the list of issues, all of them say Iron Man 1968, oh. but they have another date below. Oh, you're right. It does. Okay. I'm wrong. Wow. Thank you for that correcting of my Yeah, no check. worries. I'm just, I'm worried about the rabid fan base who will be at our throats for any, uh, <laughs> any misinformation. So but true. They, 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 they kept the Iron Man 1968 issue running for at least 18 years because we read one. That's incredible. Yeah, it looks like it went until 2013. Holy. Goodness gracious. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> by the way, I don't know if anyone listens to any TV rewatch podcasts, but I feel like we're definitely Scrubs versus The Office. So just, <laughs> nope, no one's going to get that reference, but it's fine. Our, our, our gentle listeners will, uh, yes, but that, yeah, that one, like, unfortunately... Yes flew over my head i I apologize i'll I'll explain to you later okay i i just assumed in the post game that we're like more indie and we know all the cool bands the (laughs) office is more mainstream (laughs) the office ladies are like okay these are our segments we're gonna do this and these are all my notes and we're gonna talk about them and then the scrubs are like oh yeah it's been an hour we should maybe talk about like this (laughs) got it (laughs) yeah now now we're all on board (laughs) all right i filled you in in midstream (laughs) um okay random other things uh, I, I also decided that I needed to read Tales of Suspense 45 because okay. that is the first time that Pepper and Happy are in mm. there. And just so you know, originally, Happy is his chauffeur who saves him from a car crash because Tony's in a race and his battery dies on his chest plate. And so he like can't move. Happy saves him. He plugs in his chest plate to, a bat, uh, to an outlet. All is saved. Um, we so. we get a little bit of that like I, i'm not sure if it's a direct uh influence but we we see something kind of similar in iron man 2 uh tony's at the at the races there or whatever and uh that that guy with the whips is mm-hmm. is coming at him and happy like drives onto the uh on, onto the raceway to throw him his iron man briefcase Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Speaking of the guy with the whips, I uh, I found it interesting in the movie that uh, when they were doing the uh, the plane chase scene, uh-huh. each of the code names were uh, Whiplash One and Whiplash Two, and the guy with the whips is known as Whiplash. Oh. And so I wondered if there was any, I don't know, something about that, but I think it was just. One of they were things. telegraphing that. Yeah. I, I I know him simply as Mickey Rourke, but I'm I'm glad to know <laughs> that uh, that some call him Whiplash. <laughs> and he's really he had a really hard drum teacher at one point, <laughs> who was trying to get him to whip the drums perfectly. Yes. But it just he wasn't ever satisfying his needs. To the brink of madness. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I, the Invincible Iron Man, number five, the, the fifth out of the six in the extremist line. Yes. Um, this one, we're just getting flashbacks, kind of, Brian, as you mentioned earlier, to the origin story while interspersed with a new, a new version of um, 
of Iron Man. And in this one, I just wanted like, there are just a couple notes that were really interesting to me. So first, um, the life-saving piece is again, part of the suit. So it is not yet something that's integrated into his body or part of a previous surgery. This is still part of his suit, even in, and this is in 2004. So just four, four years before the movie, that's still where the technology is. And also Tony at this point is working on a, a basically an Iron Man suit already. So before he is captured, he's working on the suit. And so he's taking that knowledge and putting it into it. So it's interesting how throughout all of the different storylines, they're tying in his previous work in a different way. Each of them use different pieces of his work to say how he created the suit. Um, in, in, in this comic, they, they also like his escape um, and the violence that ensues, it, it looks like a storyboard for the movie, like, like yes. beat, beat for beat. Yeah. Um, you know, there's the tick, 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 tick. All right, my turn. And the like flamethrowers and everything. So very, uh, very interesting to me as like a first time reader, long time viewer, uh, how, how that was lifted like directly from the page. All right, that's it. I did it. We finally finished it. All right. <laughs> um, just circling back to that for a little bit longer. Uh, that whole Extremis series is sort of the basis for Iron Man 3 as well, which is kind of like the, uh, the energy they pump into people to make them bombs and mm-hmm. things like that. So it seems like it had some long staying power when thinking of what the next Iron Man movie was going to be that whole series. So we'll be back to that. Oh yes, we will. <laughs> Iron right. Man three may be a decade away in our podcast, but we'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> just, j- just remember folks, uh, we, we use the, the sliding Marvel time scale. So you know, we, we, we tell you that this might be a regular podcast, but You'll, you'll have to bear with us. Um, I mean, Corey, that, that was a great job of, of kind of getting us to, to the movie. And, and we talked about some of the ways that, uh, that, that they collided or, or interacted, but I guess we can dive into just some of the thoughts about the movie, uh, how, how it connects to the, uh, the, the comic verse, as it were, but also this... Iron Man really set the tone for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and and so there there were a few things that that I caught, um, or, or, or I guess that are pretty evident. Um, that like you you see the fingerprints of Iron Man all over the the subsequent movies. So a lot of people blame or credit Joss Whedon for like that really snappy kind of quippy dialogue in, in the MCU. Um, and, and while there's no like mistaking the fact that Avengers and, and even more so like age of Ultron kind of uh, may, may have jumped the shark on that a little bit, you get a lot of that really uh, yeah, bing, bang, boom di- dialogue uh, e- even early in this movie. And one of the things that I found interesting was um when they started filming, the script wasn't entirely complete. So like they, they had the story, but the dialogue wasn't, wasn't completely settled. 
And so a lot of the stuff that made it to the final cut are ad-libbed lines between Robert Downey Jr. and, and other characters, which I think added to that, uh, how, how many like zings there were in the movie. That I feel like just really underscores the fact that he is actually Iron Man. Uh, that Robert Downey Jr. just is, is yeah. Tony Stark. Cause that, that felt after reading the comics that felt so natural of right. a translation that even though it was kind of like dated lines or different things that seemed like the exact same heart of the character. Mm-hmm. So they're the same person. I, yeah. Yeah. And later in the comics, after these movies have come out, Iron Man in the comics is Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> they updated it because that's what everybody is used to now. And they like that. Which... I mean, even in the old ones, he's not that far. They look pretty similar. <laughs> I did read that they based him on Howard Hughes, like the design of the oh. character. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm glad uh, for, Robert, for Robert Downey Jr. and like his makeup designers, I feel bad that they did this, but I do appreciate that they kind of retired the Tony Stark mustache and made it like the angular... Uh, yeah, very, very intricate goatee. But in, in, the, in the film, doesn't Howard Stark have a, like have that pretty baseline mustache? Or am I making that up? I think so. But I, I did think it was really interesting because they pretty clearly melded Howard and Tony from, because in the comic books, it's just Tony Stark. He creates this company. He does all of this. And right. it feels like they separated that into two characters mm-hmm. within this new like cinematic version of, of um, the Iron Man world. Yeah, he, so. he's got a stash. Okay, so yeah. I, I, I kind of like that, that like in, in the MCU, they're, they're kind of separating like old Tony, new Tony uh, mm-hmm. into Howard and Tony. And, you know, Tony Stark is like the hero of our day. Yes. Oh, did anyone else? There were so many times where they called him Anthony. And I was like, I don't think that's right. That doesn't seem like the right person. I, it, 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 I, I flinched every time. <laughs> um, oh, one thing that I was just like, I have like a ton of notes about this because I found it so fascinating that they kind of solved the technology problem of the suit. I, you, you may have noticed in every summary, I was like, it's still in the suit. The thing that's saving him is still in the suit. And they they made the doctor. They, they couldn't solve that with just Tony. So like the doctor's going to do it. He's going to do the basic part. And then Tony's going to make it not a suit because we don't want him to have to be constantly wearing a chest plate. All right. I, I, I do want to mention like kind of jumping off of that. Um, this is not even remotely close to a horror movie, but I feel like there were a good number of horror elements sprinkled in throughout the movie. Not the least of which being, you know, we, we, we see kind of the hazy time-lapse of, of Tony in agonizing pain after being captured. And then he realizes, hey, you've got a, a car battery strapped to your chest and that's the thing keeping you alive. Like that, it, it feels like something ripped from the page of like Saw or, or a movie like that. But th- then there, there are times, usually each time that we're being introduced to, um, to, to like a new Iron whatever, Iron Man, Iron Monger, where, you know, like the, the lights are out and, and everyone's 
looking for for like the monster uh and uh you know in in the first instance tony is more than happy to oblige by evaporating the sternum of anyone he comes across uh with with, with an arm bar (laughs) and uh but even with uh ironmonger it, it it had the same kind of tones like you're you're walking around someone kind of parts the all of the chains that are hanging and and then the eyes light up him crawling through anyway i i i found it interesting um the number of times that they that they set that kind of mood uh and yeah i i, I won't analyze it too too much but it, <laughs> it, it, it it was an interesting tactic not not as much horror focused, but similarly an intense scene is when Pepper's uh, putting in the new yes uh, arc reactor in Tony and just uh, uh okay can I similar it, I'm just gonna ask a question I don't know if this is a plot hole I don't know if this is like just old junk that, that that's in his chest cavity. Um, they, they, they played this scene like partially to develop rapport between Tony and Pepper and, and, and partially for, for comedy. Uh, but there was kind of this underlying tension where, you know, for part of it, like Tony's in uh, undergoing cardiac arrest. Um, Pepper completely pulls out the copper wiring from, <laughs> from his chest and, I was led to believe that that copper wiring was integral to the old arc reactor working. Uh, But it might just be that, you know, Tony has this chest cavity and he's trying to like get it out or whatever, whatever. But he uses the old arc reactor uh, when when, when he's fighting Obadiah Stane. Is, is the fact that that copper wire isn't in there, like, is that a plot hole? Is that the reason that he's losing battery so quickly when they're fighting? I, I don't know. Just yeah. something to think about. I, I did, that did cross my mind as well, actually. And I think that he knew that he would need that eventually. And I'm sure Kevin Feige has wrote like a mini <laughs> summary. And he's like, no, it makes sense because of this. Kevin Kevin Feige like I books should be written about his ability to like take massive amounts of of story compress them into each movie and then making each of those movies like kind of exist in the same orbit um but I do wish that there was a slightly more like public facing figure that could act on behalf of Marvel. Kevin Feige kind of is that, but like I'm thinking of course about Star Wars and how Star Wars has Dave Filoni who is, he's a guy on the inside, but he he's like such a fan of, of everything Star Wars that he's in the room and he can be like, oh, hey, why don't we put in, you know, this little thing that helps connect uh, th- this thing that didn't really make sense in a previous movie and that will like endow it with meaning and you know a- a- everyone will love it and me more could there be an argument that each of the individual directors are those people 
because you'll be on like an Infinity War Endgame and you'll have Taika Waititi and James Gunn and John Favreau, possibly. I can't confirm if he was there, but you'll have like the writers and directors of those movies kind of being like, hey, these are the characters that I've kind of created in these movies. What if we did this with them in this part? Yeah. I, no, I, please, Corey. I, I, I'm just wondering, I think part of the difference between Star Wars and something like this though is Star Wars is a much more concentrated um, universe. There is, this, this was, I think part of the problem or not part of the problem, but part of the, the difficulty with doing that with a Marvel universe is there are so many storylines, there are so many conflicts, there are so many offshoots, so many people were involved in all of those. I don't even know if it would be possible for one human being to do that. So I think, yeah, Ryan, you're right that it kind of has to be uh, almost like a group mind thing. <laughs> that's that. That's true. Uh, point point well taken. Sorry, I, Davis. You no. can't be that guy. I know you were just like try, bidding <laughs> for that job. <laughs> Um, it, it, it reminds hey, Filoni, me, you're not as great as you thought you were. <laughs> sure. Sure. Dave Filoni, you, you can do it with some piddly little IP like star Wars, but you, you, you wouldn't last a day in, in the Marvel universe. Um, it, it, it reminds me of a conversation that I had with Ryan recently where I told him I'm trying to get into X-Men. How do I do that? And Ryan, no, no doubt, like racked his brain and, and tried to, you know, thought back on his experience. And he, he came back to me and basically said, why, why do you want to do this? <laughs> I, like, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm just I, I'm just interested. Like, how do I how do I get into it? And he was like, just just start. And if you have questions, Google it. Uh, like I feel like that's always the best way to get into stuff because then once you've started then puzzle pieces start fitting in when you right. read other things and but to be fair I did send you like eight novel long texts about <laughs> which is my x-men experiences so uh, no I uh, very very true I I think I, I, what what is What's difficult about like comic books, it seems, again, I'm, I'm coming as like, if I'm not an outsider, at best, I'm a relative newcomer. Um, but comic books have this way of wrapping up so much of like one's own personal experience, not, not only with, with the novels, but like who they were and where they were at that time that, that I think it, it seems very difficult to, um, to, to like have a similar experience with, with these comic books. Like when, when I talk about wanting to get into X-Men, it's because I know people who, who grew up watching the animated series, who like read the comic books when they, when they were younger. And so they have like such a special place in their hearts for it that, you know, me, as, as, I, as I near the end of my life, I, I can't possibly uh, <laughs> replicate those, those experiences. Is that you know when you're going to die and it's I, soon? Don't I, you, Ryan? <laughs> no. I, I don't know when, I, when I'm going to die, but each day it's I tick closer to 30 years old. <laughs> and no, no, 
no birthday since perhaps 18 has felt especially significant, but mm -hmm. as, as I march closer to 30, uh, I, I, I try to savor each day and remember that it's a gift, not a right. Well, yeah, I don't care about that. I want to talk about X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I, I like Tony and having to push through my existential fears. Uh, <laughs> and to save continue. the day. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I will say, I was like, I feel like we should just watch all of one of those animated series. I watched the one in the 2000s as a child. I pretty vividly remember all episodes and I'm like, let's just watch all of those. Watch all of the related comics. Like, I think that's the spinoff that we're working towards. <laughs> I think there's an, I think with that in mind, we could have this podcast go on forever if we wanted to. So true. You guys read you and the audience are are ready i can feel it yeah yeah <laughs> hello everyone uh today we'll be re reviewing uh batman the animated series the whole thing and and all of the related uh related comic book materials to it it'll be a 10 hour series yeah this is part one i say we just so pick a saturday to do 10 hours in one day <laughs> It, it would it would be fun. Uh, I I don't know if we're the people to do it. We're we're all pretty green <laughs> podcasters, but it, it, it would it would be fun to do some sort of like either like lo very long form uh, podcast or or even like 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 a watch along and an audio watch along. So like, hey, we're we're gonna watch like like the Infinity Saga or whatever. Uh, you know, press play. We'll be watching right along with you, I'll, I'll, almost like a Twitch stream that you that you can yeah. uh, in, enjoy with your ears. This is making me think you could listen and watch to the director's commentary. Like those exist, but that's no, 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 a very no, no. good point. Listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> have Have you Have you ever uh, wanted not not an expert, not people who can like give you these fun new tips uh or or you know gems of like things that happened on set have you ever wanted three perfect strangers to <laughs> to watch a movie with you to just essentially say that was cool yeah. at certain Whoa. parts <laughs> holy um, cow <laughs> like, uh, you know when when stain said ironmonger and we all just were like oh, ironmonger yeah. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, um, how trippy was it for you guys to hear Paul Bettany's voice knowing his future within the Marvel Universe, potentially even having just watched an episode of WandaVision today? Oh my gosh. D did, they, did they know? I, uh, the entire time it was just like, how far along was this planned? <laughs> Okay, I, I can shed a little light on that. I, I was good. listening to a recent interview with Paul Bettany. Um, first off, he took this role as a personal favor to John Favreau. They, they had somewhat recently worked together on the movie Wimbledon and uh, John Favreau approached, approached Paul about this. He said, hey, I, I think you're, I, I you're gonna, gonna be the perfect voice or whatever. Uh, would you be willing to do this? He said, yes. Um, Paul Bettany, for what it's worth, 
is the first actor, the first MCU actor to star in MCU projects now spanning three different decades. Wow. Because uh, this came out in 08. Obviously the 2010s were full of it. And, and now he's, he's the first one, uh, you know, from, from like the early projects to, uh, to make it to the 2020s. So anyhow, he, he talked about how um, it, was, it was envisioned that he would be uh, ba basically like Stark's personal butler but they didn't want it to feel like Alfred Pennyworth uh, in the Batman movies. Mm. So, so he was like AI and obviously that added to Stark being a tech entrepreneur, billionaire, innovator, and- Playboy. Yeah, playboy. Uh, I, I, I wanna get to that very quickly, but he, um, it, it evolved probably, I, I think it was like, around the time of Avengers. I, I believe that's when they started really talking about like, okay, Paul, we're, we're gonna bring you on board in a more substantive way. And not for nothing, he talked about how in the, like in the original cut of Age of Ultron, Joss Whedon was insistent that Ultron have a penis uh, when, when, he, when he like came out uh, for, for his like birth scene or whatever. Ultron or Vision? Oh, I'm sorry. Vision. Ultron <laughs> never ne never needed anything downstairs. Yeah. He's like, Vision. any robot needs some genitals. <laughs> like, That's my rule. Yeah, he's like, listen, Ultron is not going to have genitals. And out of spite, he's going to give genitals to his robot army. Uh, that, that, that's... No, uh, Vision, like, Joss Whedon was insistent that he have... Uh, that, that he be anatomically correct and and everyone's like i don't know about this and he said no i want drawings uh up like let let me see the concept art so they went into a meeting and there are pictures everywhere of vision with with a penis and he took one look at it and he said i'm 100 percent wrong uh we're, we're, we're gonna go with what you guys said <laughs> uh do you think it was just babies was he like the babies are coming or I, i'm so curious why he needed a penis i don't know well so like the most the clearest example is dr manhattan in uh in watchmen because dr manhattan is never afraid to uh to hang brain and <laughs> so maybe he, uh... I, it, the same idea with Dr. Manhattan is Dr. Manhattan such, has such a comprehension of the universe and how everything works that clothes don't matter to him. So is that a similar direction they were trying to take vision? Was he probably all powerful and he just doesn't need clothes? Even like, even as vision's character progresses throughout the MCU, uh, you know he he can he can accept that humans want him to be in clothes or whatever so he wears like the v-neck sweater but he refuses to wear <laughs> pants and so he, he's, he's just like he's just porky pig in it downstairs <laughs> anyway that that's paul bettany sorry to take us a, a little bit further than i intended so and, i i fail to comprehend how that answers Corey's question of 
Were they no, planning this in advance? I think it does because I, that, that makes it seem like they were not. But right. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't paying attention, Ryan. I'm sorry. But like... You 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 just heard all the flashy things, like Vision yeah. almost had a penis, and you forgot to hear uh, it, some some of the minutia. I, my, I just want to say, very, perked up at the wrong yeah, points. <laughs> like, now, oh, okay. Um, I just need to say very quickly. I've been talking a lot during this podcast, and I'm very grateful that we're going to take kind of like a rotating uh, hosting uh, hosting power. And I do hope to talk less in future episodes. Oh, I, I just wanted not. to air that out. I do not hope that in any regard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always interested in the Davis cemented. hot take. Okay, yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe I'll just be the long-winded one, but I, I do apologize. <laughs> Can we uh, just real quick talk about the time that uh, Davis talked about the flavor of blue raspberry <laughs> being better than any fruit flavor? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> So oh for those who are unaware, which is probably a lot of you, uh, Ryan, Corey, and I developed rapport as coworkers at, at a very fun tech startup. Uh, it, it, it had a very lively atmosphere. And to my great misfortune, one of the things that uh, churned the rumor mill was I would state what I thought were pretty, pretty like... <laughs> Uh, matter-of-fact opinions that turned out to be wildly unpopular. The most, the most popular of which being, I said, uh, basically all artificial flavors are better than natural flavors because, <laughs> because they're, they're cranked up to 11. Now, granted, not all artificial flavors are like the best flavors. So for example, I prefer the flavor of a banana more than I do like banana Laffy Taffy. But if I could get like the volume of flavor that banana Laffy Taffy gives me in a banana, that would be better. Uh, I think I have a solution for you. It's called a banana Slurpee. Go to your nearest 7-Eleven and have a banana Slurpee. Oh, well, I'm assuming that's artificial flavors, no? No, 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 it totally is. I'm just saying, like, All right. stop talking about Laffy Taffy. Stop talking about real bananas. Yeah. Go to 7-Eleven. La- Laffy Taffy was a, was a really poor poster boy for my point. Um, I, I do like banana Laffy Taffy, though. Oh! And the banana runt. Oh, no! <laughs> I was just about to go there. Um, to But what this really sounds like to me, Davis, is this... You were, I don't remember these parts of the argument at the time. And it sounds like this has been festering within you for about <laughs> five years. And you've really pinpointed what your argument is for this. I, like when, when, when my life flashes before me, before I die, definitely one of the things that will linger longest is a room full of people looking back at <laughs> disgust at me after I voiced what I thought would be a harmless opinion. <laughs> that that moment is seared in my brain. I I am very curious now what part of this episode we will have that again. Where's the resurrection of a room full of people? <laughs> uh, here, here's hoping we're able to make it through episode one without me being wildly wrong about something. 
uh, <laughs> but I, I, I definitely carry the, uh, the memories and scars of that day through. And I look at it fondly. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we've talked we, 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 we've, we've talked about kind of how Iron Man has evolved o- over the years, right? And, and mm-hmm. how they've, uh, for, for the most part, done a pretty good job of, of placing Iron Man like within the time that, that, that he exists. Uh, so kind of updating some of the things, making, making concessions or, or you know, conventions so, so that he fits in with our modern day. The first 30 minutes of this movie was a very stark reminder that in 2008, uh, Spike TV was alive and doing very well because (laughs) everything about this movie, uh, you know, like the the uh, ACDC, Mr. Stark, is it true that you went 12 for 12 with the Maxim cover models? Uh, You know, just, just all of it felt very like very like 2008 yeah yeah um so that that did kind of feel a little out of place uh, especially you know we, we we think about like the the arc of the marvel universe and like the whole i love you 3000 uh that, that that's like one of the most touching things that, that, that we've been given. And to think that that man who was like, just made of wires and strings, uh, you know, no, no emotion, no capacity to really like love or think about anyone beyond himself, uh, changed into this father who was ready to lay down the fate of the world for this life that he had built. Um, is touching, but also, you know, not great how he started, but we're not supposed to like that part. Yeah. I, I do think it's interesting, though, because thinking about that, if it was made today, I don't think Tony would change, but I think the people around him would. Because I think kind, kind of like the inception, like how he started was meant to be a person that nobody liked, that you grew to like. But the world of of 2008 that is so apparent in this movie, I think would be vastly different but Tony would still be Tony. To, to, your, to your earlier point, point, Corey, if this movie were made in 2021, I do not think that he would be eating Burger King. I'll say it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. The Burger Wars are over. We have settled this dispute. He's like, uh, can you get me uh, three cheeseburgers from Arctic Circle? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Oh my gosh. Although, you know what? If he had an impossible burger, so 2021. Wow, yeah. That's true. It's like, uh, get me a Dave's triple. Uh, <laughs> sir, w- w- would you like that regular meat or beyond meat? He's like, oh, I didn't even know Wendy's <laughs> carried the beyond meat. Uh, I just want to say this was a reminder that this even though this is the oldest movie of the Marvel cinematic universe, it, there's a reason why it kicked off a cinematic universe. It is such a good movie. I was even thinking like, I don't think my mom has ever seen this movie and she might like it. She wouldn't like any of the other ones, but this (laughs) one is just like a good movie. Well-made, very good. 
Yeah. And I, I think going back to Davis's like point of the tone of the movie and like how it shifts and how there's like a lot of different themes, but it feels like this is such a great benchmark or template for what other superhero movies can be and be successful that hasn't always yeah. like, like I think of DC and I grew up huge DC fan. I am a much bigger Superman fan than anything else. And those movies suck. We have not had a good <laughs> Superman since Chris Reeves. Um, and, and I think it's because there hasn't been a great template that they've been able to follow that stays true to the character. Whereas this, it's a modern version and yet it feels like that character and also like this world and it can continue. You know, like a Batman theme cannot go past Batman and yet they tried. I, I, I will say um, it's like 2020 was the first year in like at least 10 years uh, where we've gone without a proper Marvel movie releasing. Um, and in terms of like superhero movies, uh, Birds of Prey came out last year, but like it, 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 that, that, it, that is not the norm, right? No, normally we're getting like two or three or maybe even four superhero movies each year. Um, and one of the things that I think more, more modern superhero movies need to watch out for, be, be aware of, is like the, the origin story fatigue. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. and, and earlier movies, or earlier Marvel movies, I think got a little more leeway. Like, like Captain America would not play uh, in 2021 because it's very, very grounded in like this from, from zero to hero, basically. Um, I, I wonder if part of that problem is they're always rebooting the same characters. I don't, I don't, I've never seen another Captain America origin, origin yeah. story. No, I mean, that, that's, that's a very fair point. Like, I, I don't know who has died more, Thomas and Martha Wayne or Uncle Ben, but both have <laughs> had their fair share of casualties. <laughs> But yeah, sorry, sorry, just to like, yes, wrap up my point. Uh, I, I I think even with that, um, Iron Man did a really good job of telling, telling a story without, without taking us from like, you know, when he was an impressionable young man to, to this big moment of decision. Like we, we had kind of a fully baked Tony Stark who then had one day that changed the course of his life, uh, but we we didn't. I, I don't know. D, d, like, I, yes. I, I I just I I feel like it was a very well done way to uh, to tell us a little bit about who he is. Like the whole award show, uh, you know, we we get the exposition, but then Tony's not there, and so we're learning things about that. And you know, he's he's not not in it for the awards or whatever. Like we. They, 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 they did a really good job of packing a lot of characterization into a short amount of time. I wonder if a big part of that is his origin story is so little of this. Like, cause I think of the Tony Stark origin story as really him becoming Iron Man. So that's yeah. getting shrapnel, building the suit, escaping. And that's, I mean, that was the first comic. That was, that was the whole first like um, exploration of him. And in a lot of these other movies, that's the whole thing. And I had forgotten, honestly, I thought that was the end. And I was like, 
oh, right, there's this whole other Ironmonger <laughs> section. What mm-hmm. in the world is the rest of this movie? There's so much packed in. So they, they don't spend a lot of time on his origin. It's just, it's, it's so fast paced. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you guys prefer Terrence Howard or Don Cheadle? Oh, Don Cheadle. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, okay. I, I thought Terrence Howard stunk. <laughs> no. Oh, I, it's okay. See, I think he did a really great job in this movie, but I don't know if he could have done the rest of it. You know, like and, I think as this character, he did great. Yeah, and I, I kind of think watching this again, Don Cheadle really did a good job of making it a natural evolution of like the way Terrence Howard was acting. Acting Don Cheadle seems like he's really channeling that in at least Iron Man 2 and then slowly evolving into like a newer character but it, they do seem like they have similar characters yeah so true so, so here like on on the Terrence Howard Don Cheadle thing I will say um Rhodey in this movie is like really buttoned up he's like a big military guy you know he he's like he, he kind of represents the man uh, or, or like he's, he's the stand-in character for the armed forces writ large. And so there's this tension between Tony and, and Rhodey that, that carries through the movie. I think that Terrence Howard does a, does a better job of being that like straight-laced button-up guy. Uh, but I, I, I agree with what you all are saying. Don, Don Cheadle might've been able to do that but I don't think that Terrence Howard could have uh, could have played a more meek, um, but like like fiercely loyal to Tony uh, that that kind of character that that we see Rhodey evolve into over the over the course of the franchise. All right, I buy it. I I, I will say if 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 there are some thoughts, may, may, maybe we can like intersperse this. Um, I've, I've got a little bit of trivia, um, so, some of which maybe, maybe, you know, I can toss it to you all to see if you know or can guess, but uh, notably, this is Terrence Howard's only movie. And uh, when, when he looks that at the he Iron ever Man- did? Ever. Really? <laughs> yeah, okay. this is it. Davis, that should have been over. I would have loved a real trivia question. It's trivia time. All right, ask us again. How many movies is Ron <laughs> how how many how many movies has Terrence Howard been in? Seven. I'm I, sorry. I the answer was one. No, uh, I just told you. <laughs> no, he he's he's been in other movies, but this is of course the the only time that he got to play Colonel James Rhodey Rhodes. Um, Don Cheadle took over. It's there there there's a little bit of uncertainty as to what happened there, but. Um, John Favreau apparently wasn't very happy with, with the performance that the Terrence Howard turned in. And there was also an issue with money. Uh, Terrence Howard was actually the highest paid cast member in Iron Man. Uh, because at that time, Robert Downey Jr. wasn't like a top level star. Ro- Robert Downey Jr. was someone who had kind of been in and out of Hollywood, um, had a lot of like substance abuse issues and and had had uh, he, he just wasn't 
Hollywood's brightest star in, in quite the same way that he is today, which is hard to imagine. But with, with, with all the uh, displeasure that, that they had, uh, Terrence Howard was going to have to take a pay cut to, uh, to accommodate for the fact that Robert Downey Jr. was about to get paid a lot more for Iron Man 2. And that number, of course, continued to climb to obscene numbers uh, for, you know, Civil War, Spider-Man, etc. So anyway, that's when they, they had Don Cheadle uh, slotted in as Rhodey, which I think we can agree was probably the right call at the end. Yeah. All right. Anyway, um, so let, let's just say that each of these trivia po- uh, trivia questions will be worth a number of points. Uh, I, I, I will actually, I, I was going to say each one will be five points, but some of them are pretty hard. So I will, uh, I, I will allot the point point totals as I see fit. Uh, All right. This, the, this first question, however, will be worth five points. Again, if, if you don't get any of these, I, I wouldn't fault you. Maybe I'll have to recalibrate. Um, how did the studio avoid spoilers with all of the extras in the movie's final scene? Five seconds on the clock. Do we have to guess? <laughs> <laughs> because I do not know. They, uh, here's my guess. Okay. Um, no, never mind. I forgot what I was about to reference. What is called? What it's called? So it won't be. Oh, I do remember. They named. They told people that this was actually a. Uh, they were filming a movie called Blue Harvest. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, Corey. Um. I. I have two two guesses. Uh, okay. One is my outrageous one, just for fun, that they locked them all in a room afterwards, um, <laughs> and that's how they solved it. The Imagine other one, the smell. What? Similar we... to uh, the plasma from Iron Man's uh, <laughs> <laughs> innards. Oh my gosh, so gross. Um, were they not there when they filmed when he filmed the like I am Iron Man? No, they were. Um, oh, dang it. The. I, I was going to jokingly say that Robert Downey Jr. said, I am Iron Man uh, in pig Latin so that so none of them could understand it. But <laughs> the correct answer is they were told that it was a dream sequence. So they gathered all of these extras and they said, all right, everybody, th- th- this is going to be like a dream that Tony has, um, you know, what whatever. So they all thought that this was going to be just some little offshoot. And then surprise, surprise, that, that's how they ended the movie. Um, five points to me, so that's five zero zero. <laughs> was everyone uh, who was an extra in that part really mad? They were like, "No, it's going to be a dream in Iron Man 2. <laughs> yeah. They're like, there, "There's no way that was the scene I was in." They told uh, us, "Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Favreau was a liar." <laughs> uh, all right, let's let's make this one ten points. Um, so Robert Downey Jr. ad-libbed the I am Iron Man line at the end of the movie, but this did set into motion an important MCU precedent that breaks with comic book tradition. What is that, that distinguishing factor? I can try and rephrase the question 
I I think I know this one actually. Oh, okay, right, fine, right. but we can re- rephrase it no, no, so Corey go, can also. Know it. Uh, would that be no more secret identities? That's correct. Uh, yeah. So Robert Downey Jr. ad libbed this line. Uh, Kevin Feige greenlighted it because he didn't like the idea of having having all of these characters always assume a a secret identity. Um, so he, he allowed for, you know, for, for this to take place. And then it, it thankfully did away with like Thor having to, having to pretend like he's just a regular guy or whatever. Um, anyway, awesome. 10 points to Ryan. So 10 points, five for me, still zero for Corey. (laughs) Real quick interjection. Yes. Have you ever seen any of the paranormal activity movies? Yes. No, of course not. Uh, you might want to review this footage later as I just watched a door open in the background of the office <laughs> and close with no one in sight of who opened it. It, 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 it did look fairly ominous from, uh, <laughs> from, from your point of view. For, fortunately, with, with, with my peripheral vision, I was able to see my, my blushing bride uh, grabbing okay. a pair of shoes. Yeah. But it, it's not your blushing ghost bride, correct? At least, I think it was my magic bride. <laughs> um, all right, commence with the trivia. All right. <laughs> this, th- this one will also be worth 10 points. So, Corey, you, you could not only leapfrog me, but tie Ryan with the correct answer here. Uh, John Favreau originally envisioned Ironmonger to be the villain in the second movie, with Obadiah remaining Tony's friend throughout the first. What character was originally set to serve as the as this film's villain? Um, Chessman. Oh, <laughs> a very a very good guess. Uh, Ryan, would you like a crack at it? I'm gonna go out on a limb, but it seems too obvious. If this is the answer, would it be the Mandarin? It was okay. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it, so John Favreau wanted wanted it to be the Mandarin because one that in the comic books is Iron Man's like arch arch nemesis arch rival. But but he found um, the Mandarin's more like he like he, he's a real comic book villain. You know he's over yeah. the top. Yes. It seemed kind of hard to adapt, especially for this very grounded version of Iron Man that he was making. So even though he would have preferred uh, having Obadiah Stone, or Stain kind of make this, make this transition more gradual from, from friend to foe, uh, it, it just ended up that, um, yeah, that, that made more sense. Okay, uh, we, we've got two more. I'm going to make this one 50 points. <laughs> um, Do you just not want me to not win? No. <laughs> I, 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 would, I would love it if you won. Uh, I, would, I would love those 50 points in my bank, but th- th- this is admittedly the hardest question that, uh, that, that I'm going to ask. Okay. So here we go. Agent Phil Coulson repeatedly states that he's a member of the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division, finally shortening it to SHIELD. In the comics, however, 
the shield agency had two other meanings at various times, meaning like the S-H-I-E-L-D stood oh. for different things. Um, name either for 50 points. I'm nope. obviously going to pass. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, I'll I see go. why you give this wait, one wait, 50 okay. points. Wait, wait. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. I'm just going to make something up. Superhero <laughs> Initiative Extreme Defense. Oh, I'm sorry. You didn't have an L. <laughs> <laughs> all the other words were right like right i got all the other yeah, words correct. It, it, l l was logistics and then you would have had it mm. um no so so it is the, the the first one was supreme headquarters international espionage slash law enforcement division um and then in 1991 it was revised to strategic hazard intervention slash espionage logistics directorate um uh, you know what that one was hard enough i'll leave those points on the table no, so no no we you get you have 55 points now okay. don't don't shortchange right. yourself that you know what you're right <laughs> I, I i named both of them so i i deserve those points um <laughs> all right so it's 55 20 uh cory we, we we need you to get on the board here all right um this is going to be the final question and it is for 10 we'll points say, <laughs> for two points for 21 points for uh, a participation <laughs> trophy actually how about this for for 56 points um what? i don't you know we're, we're we're flying blind here who was john favreau's first choice to play miss pepper Potts? Who was who was who was in vogue in 2008? Think back to 2008. Mm. Think who would have been free in that time. I, I, I'm not helping you. I'm I'm just filling the silence. I have no idea, and so I am going to say Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman would be a good guess as as another future star in the MCU, but that is incorrect. Okay. Corey, I, I'll I'll give you I'll, I'll give a quick hint. Um, this heroine uh, is is featured later in the MCU. Like she she has she has a later role, not necessarily as a hero, um, but she she features in the MCU later, like in another movie. Oh gosh, mm, I think I have an idea. I know I already used my guess, but just base. This will be a hint if it's right, but I I don't think there's a good possibility it's not. But based on uh, who Happy Hogan's character ends up dating later in the MCU, I wonder if that has anything to do with who John Favreau wanted. Are, are are you talking about the flame between Courtney Cox and John Favreau in that uh, story arc from Friends? <laughs> <laughs> I, I am not. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll, I'll let yeah, everyone off the it. hook. Uh, the answer was Rachel McAdams, who stars what? later in Doctor Strange. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I was wondering if it was Marissa Tomei, Aunt May. Oh, yeah. Who had his character dates later. That would have been fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I had a crush on you, and I tried to get you in my movie, <laughs> but now our characters date in the movie. <laughs> 
every time that John Favreau has an opportunity, he casts Marissa Tomei as like <laughs> as this tertiary love interest for Happy Hogan. He's like, Marissa, hey. Um, all right. That's it. Maybe maybe next time we can we, we can dispense with the point system because I feel no, no, like no no no, right, no I love right. points. Uh, you got over a hundred points. Congrats. Yeah. That's yeah. true. I, I <laughs> yeah I, I did quite well. Um, um actually, I have a surprise bonus round. Ooh. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. Okay. Do you guys remember how much power the arc reactor gives off in Tony's chest? That first version. This is not the question. I just want to see if that was like on your mind. Enough to last a man 50 lifetimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's three gigajoules, which okay. apparently is not a normal way to say it. You would just say uh, megawatts, but how many- Three nuclear... megawatts? No, no. Uh, okay, I can't remember. It, there's a different conversion rate. Sure, um, sure, but sure. But you, you wouldn't use gigajoules. That's, that's a weird way to say it. Okay. No one says gigajoules, um, but- how many, How many nuclear was reactors would three gigajoules power about? It's almost. Hmm. Um, all right. Are, are, are we doing this price is right style or just closest to it? Closest to it. Okay. I'm going to say 300,000. I will say 4 billion. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You got this. <laughs> <laughs> it's three this number sounds pathetic now <laughs> dang it davis won again uh, davis won this yes! is a million points yeah! <laughs> i just found that hilarious that it was yeah. three nuclear reactors are sitting on his chest or that that amount of energy how, how would that only work for 15 minutes you know, he's like, it's enough to power it for 15 minutes. Yeah, that's a Ow. fair point. That is so much energy. Anyway. I feel like there was also a missed opportunity to cast Obadiah Stane as Christopher Lloyd or <laughs> cast Christopher Lloyd as Obadiah Stane so he could say that the arc reactor powered 5.21 gigawatts. Yes, oh my gosh, <laughs> that would have been amazing. Um, I, I mean, I, I think we might... This train might have reached the station. Are we? Uh, I have are... one more question for all of you. Yeah, right. please. Just to kind of tie everything together. Where do you guys rank Iron Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a whole? The franchise? No, the movie. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, Just oh, okay. this movie. Yeah, out of the uh, 21-ish movies, I forget how many exactly there are. What, what does this rank for you? I think the hard thing with that is there are so many that are crappy uh, mm -hmm. that it like even if it wasn't a great movie, it would automatically just like be in the middle because I'm like, um, Iron Man two and three down. Uh, am I am I just? I I will say these movies are like guilty pleasure. Excuse me, guilty pleasure movies. Um, and so. Even the one I like the least, which I will not reveal what that is to you. Oh my gosh, I want the Hulk? Uh, no, I like the Hulk. <gasps> what? But yes. Ant-Man. No, I'm not going to tell you. Um, Thor 2. <laughs> Thor 2. Oh, that is not that at I the think... end for me. <gasps> that 
is my worst one. Please, okay, you've got to freaking tell us, Ryan. This is the most important question. No, for the listeners, I'm keeping it a secret. Oh, okay. fine. All right, uh, later. I, I may tell you after this ends, but... Okay. And um, I, I know me and Davis had talked about it before, of which yeah. one I, I don't like the most, but... Oh, crud. Now I, I've got to go through our messages. <laughs> I would say... And this, this doesn't have to be your canon answer of what this is the rank, but just watching it again, I would say this is my number two out of all the wow. movies. Wow, what's one? Um, I'll keep that a surprise as well. <laughs> okay. I, Davis, what's yours? So this is definitely in my top five. Um and 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 maybe maybe we can play kind of like a king of the mountain as we as as we review different movies like yes. right now iron man's on top can anything knock it off um but i i i i really 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 love both guardians of the galaxy movies those are very high on my list Mm-hmm. Infinity War is very high on my list. Yeah. Uh, I'm I would probably give the edge to those three movies, and this is th- this is like right up against um, Winter Soldier for me. But I would probably give Iron Man the edge over Winter Soldier. I am forever upset that you did not mention Thor Ragnarok, which in my opinion is the mm, best. Okay. Thor Ragnarok is a very good movie. I, all right. We, I, <laughs> no, we don't, we don't need to do our top ones, but no, I, no, no, I would no. say yeah. in top five, I would say this is in the top five for me as well. Yeah. It is I, a, I, 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 sorry, I, I'm just saying like, I, I, it's like that Billy Ray Cyrus tweet where, where it's just a picture of him looking like this and he says, much to think about. That, that, that's, that's how I'm feeling right now. <laughs> yes, we don't, we'll come back episode two with our definitive list, which yeah. we're going to change every week. <laughs> exactly. And that, I will say that maybe if I give it more thought, Iron Man not be, might not be my number two, but just kind of like after yeah. finishing the movie, I'm like, this is not only a good Marvel movie, it's just a good movie in general. And it's yeah. definitely high up there. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right. Um, well, wait, Corey, we got to hear what your number is for Iron Man. Off uh, the top I, of your top, head. top five, I would probably actually say five. It's probably okay. just the bottom five. Um, still very, very good, but not my favorite. Thor Ragnarok, Thor, Thor Dark World. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. Ant-Man and the Wasp, and then Iron Man. (laughs) Corey just likes all these skin flint movies where Chris Hemsworth is, you know, ripping his shirt off. Brother! If if Jeff Goldblum and Taika Waititi are not in the movie, I can't even rate it. (laughs) Which is why Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is so great. (laughs) Because it has Jeff Goldblum for 15 seconds. Featured prominently in the uh, in, in the trailer, fifteen <laughs> seconds. Anyway, all right. Um, let's let's wrap this up. Thank you all for listening. This has been fun. Uh, I I look forward to us recording again. I thought this went relatively smoothly, but uh, hope hope everyone enjoys, and we'll see you next time. See ya. <laughs>